you found the Digging Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been listening to and enjoying our podcast, please help the show out by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. All right, before we get started with today's show, I just want to thank John and Lori so much for becoming a patron. Uh, Guys, I simply can't tell you how much your support for this podcast means to me and to my family, really. Thank you guys uh, so much, so much, and all the patrons, thank you. I've been promising you guys on the Patreon a book giveaway. I was hoping to do it earlier in the year, but couldn't quite get together with the author, but we Got it going now, and within the next couple weeks, you're going to hear a great conversation with this author, and then I'm going to do a giveaway for the patrons of this book on um, on a future show. So stay tuned for all of that, uh, and again, thank you, John and Lori. Welcome to the Diggin' Oak Island family. Now, as I said, I have some plans percolating for these off-season shows, uh, but today I just want to catch up with some unanswered correspondence from you guys. Um we had some comments and questions about the recent interviews we had here with Laird Niven and Corey and Maul, and also some other general Oak Island questions and comments. So let's get to those, shall we? Uh, let's start with the Laird Niven interview we released on June 8th. Just go back in your feed and have a listen there. If you haven't already, it was a fantastic conversation. Um, and I mean, you guys would have, I knew you guys would have a few things to say about it, you know, <laughs> and I do too. And let me just say first here that, um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened or talked about in this interview that I wasn't expecting. So it's good to kind of have this little debrief. I mean, Laird just blew me away. Um, just to let you in behind the curtain a little bit, my plan was basically to talk just archaeology with Laird. Um, you know me. I'm not into the show drama kind of thing. So I'm not interested in that kind of stuff that goes on. What is the, you know, does. Does, does Gary really say Bobby Dazzler all the time? I don't care about that stuff. I wanted to talk about archaeology, nuts and bolts. But he brought the goods in the conversation for sure. It was a great interview. And none of that credit goes to me. It all goes to Laird's generosity and his honesty, really, with us. It was, it was, quite, uh, it was quite a great chat. Anyway, go back and have a listen to it. All right, so Patrick on the Facebook said, Quote, a fascinating chat just demonstrates the power of editing to create false dramas for the sake of TV. Still love the show, though. And similarly, Mike, I said that one bad, right? And similarly, Michael said, what a great conversation. I wish we got more truth and less narrative on the show. Very frustrating to only get bits and pieces of what's really going on. Thank you, guys. Both listeners are referring to some of the frustration Laird expressed on what we got to see, the real struggles he went through. And really how he pretty much saved the dig when instead he was often made out to look like the guy who was sort of aiding the forces trying to stop the dig, right? It is frustrating and indeed, and I, and I am usually one to say something like, oh, remember, it's just a television show. You have to expect these things, yada, yada, yada. But I do think you guys are right to be seriously annoyed with this one. And if it makes you question what other incredibly important things are we not seeing, well, you know, you'd be very justified in such a line of thinking. Again, along those same lines as Patrick and Michael, Christopher emailed and said, Dave, hello there. Uh, I really, and, and and I wonder, Chris, are you are you giving us an Obi-Wan Kenobi? Hello there. I, I don't know. Maybe. 
I guess maybe I've been watching too much Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I really appreciate that you are doing with what, uh, sorry, I really appreciate what you are doing with your recap and summaries of the show over the last year. Your most recent interview with Laird was excellent. More of these are needed and uh, will help see through the unnecessary drama that the producers are creating. I feel your interview could have gone on for hours and that he has a desire to share and explain his work on the island. Take care. Much appreciated, Chris in Michigan. Chris, thank you. Um, yes, I could have gone on with that one for hours. <laughs> and despite literally getting home from working on the island only minutes before we spoke, Laird was incredibly generous with his time. A bad laptop battery was really the only thing keeping us from chatting for much, much longer. Uh, on the subject of the drama that the producers are creating, Chris, I think, again, this is something we will always be fighting against as viewers and critics of the show, right? And it is why the small details of the work we do get to see, and especially the behind-the-scenes kinds of stuff, have always been a far less interest to me than uh, what the guys are actually finding. Uh, meaning Gary's cute comments and Jack's eternal optimism, you know, or what time of year the scene was actually shot, are way less interesting to me than that of what they actually pull out of the ground. I mean, you just don't know what is really happening on the island. I know they reshoot scenes. I know the producers and directors steer the show in narrative ways that are not always completely accurate to what is going on. We know these things for certain, and we've been told this many, many times by people who were on the island and taking part in the show. I've tried from the very beginning not to get caught up in these kinds of things, and I do that for every one of these sort of reality investigative shows that I've ever watched. But there are times, this chat with Laird, chief among them, when that does get very hard to do. Thanks, Chris. Keep the emails coming. Let's go to our friend Steve, who writes uh, about the interview. It's definitely definitely highlighted the extent to which we're getting a curated and truncated story of the show. I applaud Lair's willingness to be transparent. The revelation that the show was saved prior to season nine, I wonder who the other person was, was sort of simultaneously surprising and not surprising. Hopefully the guy doesn't suffer any repercussions from being so candid. He's the kind of guy I'd like to buy a whiskey or two. No joke, buddy. They can make edits to broadcast episodes not too far removed from airtime, and I've noticed on at least one occasion where something is discussed on your show, and suddenly the answer, or a nod to the same question, magically appears the next week on air. You have a great community of supporters, and apparently the editors, writers, and showrunners might be lurking in your audience. Have a great weekend, Steve. Uh, Steve, it's always great to hear from you. Um, and I agree. I would love to know who that other person was that helped Laird save the show. And Laird did not mention or did not want to divulge who that was. Again, if you don't know what we're talking about here, go back and listen to this interview. Uh, close to the beginning, Laird describes just how stressful this past season was for him. And um, it's fascinating stuff for sure. I, I, let me be honest with you. I was expecting when I asked him this question about how stressful it was for him. That what he would talk about would be the issues around the government shutdown, which is what we saw on the air and what we were meant to um, meant to think was the for the, 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 the reason behind the stress, you know. But instead, Laird went in this totally different direction that was completely unknown to me. 
um, that, you know, the most stressful thing for him was not this government shutdown, but was instead some other issue that was threatening to lead to a complete shutdown of the dig and of the show from the government due to factors that he doesn't specify. And yet it was Laird who walked in there and uh, and saved that and stopped that from happening. And Steve, about the people from the show possibly listening to the podcast. Well, if you're correct, let me just say with all respect to you guys at uh, Prometheus or the History Channel, I love this show. No matter how much I, uh, I, I, I criticize it, I podcast about it because I love it. And you know, guys, I've never been to Oak Island and would totally love an invite and would pack my bags and head northeast at a moment's notice. Just drop me a line. Island at gmail.com. I'll be here to answer whenever, whenever you call. Now, having said that, uh, if you are right, Steve, and these guys and girls are listening, I guess this might not be the best time to bring up the biggest unanswered question in all this, but heck, let's do it anyway. It might destroy that invite I so desperately desire, but what the hell. And that question is, why did the producers do this? If Laird Niven really did have to go through hoops to save the dig, and let's face it, at the same time, save the series, why did we hear nothing of this? I mean, nothing. The show was nearly torpedoed, and they acted as if that never happened. Well, there's no way for me to really answer that. And I'm pretty sure the producers would just prefer we go through life under the delusion that it never actually happened. But I think if we're digging for answers, at least maybe we can start with the fact that, as Laird mentioned, the First Nations people involved, the Mi'kmaq Nation, were not at all happy with the way the show portrayed them. When it gets right down to it, the dig was under serious threat because of the show. The Mi'kmaq are probably not the only people who have an issue or two with what is being said and done and how it is all being portrayed in front of millions of people. If I were a betting man, I'd wager a large sum of money that the reason we didn't hear about it has something to do with the fact that in order to tell us, (laughs) the show would essentially have to admit its own capability in the tensions with the government. Shows don't like to do that. Anyway... That's just speculation on my part. (laughs) Thanks again, Steve. Okay, back to Facebook with a comment from Gloria who says, Hello, what a great interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to contact and visit with Laird Niven. My comment is related to the lead bail seal. I was really curious about those things and so did quite a bit of reading online regarding them. I believe it was in regard to bail seals found on Mackinac Island, which I think is in Michigan, right? That the comment was made that... After the bales were opened, the seals were often discarded. My thinking is that perhaps an indigenous or other person could have picked up the seal near a trading post somewhere else and kept it as a curiosity, as like clothing decoration or maybe jewelry or with the the thought of refashioning it into some useful object, but later lost it or discarded it on Oak Island. That would explain how it got there without the bale of trade goods or fabric having to be on the island. I was surprised to hear that no connection had been made between the blue clay on the island and the pottery found there. The other two things I found interesting was that he could see how some of the wood found in the swamp might have just washed up there from anywhere, and that the stone road was likely not made by First Nations people. Sure do enjoy your podcast and hope you keep on with it. And I will for the time being for sure. (laughs) Gloria, thank you so much. 
I think you nailed it all there. As far as the nuts and bolts of the information Laird gave us, you pretty much ticked off everything that I was interested in, the bail seal stuff and how really positive he was about what that could mean, and uh, and especially the Stone Road, how certain he was that this is, um, you know, that there's more to this than just a Stone Road. Those were all the things that had me up at night, rolling around, over, <laughs> rolling them over and over in my mind trying to figure it all out. It's almost a cliche at this point to say that Oak Island raises more questions than it ever answers, but it really is absolutely true. And this interview was just more proof of that. Laird set me straight on a couple of those things. And listen, he is an expert on this stuff. I'm a podcaster. He's an archaeologist. (laughs) I would never presume to question his conclusions or even his guesses, uh, as his guesses are way more educated than mine. And he has no skin in the game. He's not, you know... He's he, he he has no interest in in keeping this. Um, I mean, other than maybe wanting to be on TV, which doesn't seem like something Laird is all that uh, thrilled with. He doesn't have any interest in keeping perpetuating this dig, right? Um, you know, I would never presume his guesses or his conclusions, uh, you know, are wrong. They're way more educated than mine, and uh, that's just the fact of the matter. Great stuff, Gloria. Keep those emails coming. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more of your emails and questions. Okay, now before we get to some of the more general subject emails, Rory from the Patreon had a comment about the interview we did with theorist and researcher Corian Mall. Again, another great conversation. Corian should have his own podcast. Thankfully, he's apparently writing a book because he has so much in that head of his, uh, so much information, fascinating stuff. Uh, I, I would I would love to just pick his brain for maybe an entire season's worth of podcast. <laughs> um, and if you want to go back and listen, it was the podcast released just before this one in your feed. Uh, a great conversation. Go back and have a listen. Anyway, Rory says, Dave, he spoke of the Portuguese man of war. Could those also be the sketch on Dr. Jake Jackson's plate that Zena wrote uh, about in, temp- in the Templar mission? Uh, the book is a fast is fascinating, but Hunter MT and Dr. Jackson are never mentioned in the show. Am I correct? All the crackpot sessions and nothing on this wild tale. Uh, I'm going to have to fall on my sword a bit here, uh, Rory, um, because I am not, and I'm going to mention this a couple times here, I'm not an expert on Xena's theory, despite how much love and attention Xena and her theories get on the show. I know Dr. Jackson is for sure. I've said this before, and I suppose it bears repeating here. I don't believe in the authenticity of Xena's map, and therefore the theory she has based upon it. Uh, I have my reasons for feeling this way, and one of them is I do not feel the map is genuine and have been told so by someone who is something of an expert in the field and also saw the map firsthand. I've, I'm, 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 I'm at the risk of repeating myself here, but um, I have no other I I have no idea why other parts or other people in Zena's book are not mentioned or spoken to on the show. But my guess is that despite Rick's personal and very genuine feelings towards Zena, the guys are aware of the issues I've mentioned, and are for that reason um, not really interested in exploring the theory any further than. Just showing this map, which, let's face it, makes for great television. Um, Rory, I hope this answers your question. I don't know that it does, but I thank you so much for being a patron and continue this conversation with me. Um, You know, I asked you a couple questions about some of the stuff that you had written about there uh, in your comment. Let's let's dig a little deeper here in this one. Um, 
check your Patreon. <laughs> uh, okay, now on to a related to- topic. Let's go to an email from Lori who writes, I have been a fan of the show since season one and also your podcast. Can't remember how I found your pod, but it was a couple of years after you started. As a Tuesday night Oak Island widow, I sometimes listen to your program first, then watch TV show afterwards. I hear uh, the another piece of wood. Wow. Remarks from the hubs all the time. <laughs> yeah, my wife can't can't do it anymore, unfortunately. Yes, the show is irritatingly repetitive, but I understand the reasons. That's why it's so great that your podcast content fleshes out a lot of details. You and other listeners ask questions I think of, too, and I often exclaim, yes, or right, while listening. During the show's hiatus, I have enjoyed checking the Oak Island from the other side of the Causeway Facebook page, and I just finished re-listening to your Season 7 and 8 podcasts. I picked up on a lot of little detail I missed or forgot. I have to say, I was dismayed when I first heard you think of Xena's map as not genuine. I guess I belong to the romantic group that links it that thinks it must be evidence of something that happened on the island. I don't remember a discussion about what the number 1347 could refer to other than a date. The assumption that it is the date the map was created seems ridiculous for many reasons. Do you know if anyone has looked into uh, it, it referring to a distance from a starting point maybe somewhere in the Caribbean? Just a quick nautical map search shows the distance from Oak Island to St. Augustine, Florida, as an example, is 1,372 miles. I realize that calculating nautical miles may be different for the simple map app I used, but I think it's a reasonable idea for the meaning of the number, especially since there are landing notes next to it. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm and dedication. I just finally just signed up for your Patreon, something I've meant to do for a long time, and I look forward to the live chats when I can join in. Cheers from Alabama, Lori. Lori, again, thank you for becoming a patron. Uh, We can have these discussions all the time on the patron, and we will. Uh, Welcome to the family. Thank you so much. Yes, those chats during the airing of the new episodes uh, is truly my favorite part of this entire podcasting experience, not just the Patreon experience. It really is fun, and it's often hilarious. So if you want to be part of that, folks, join the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Digging Oak Island. Shameless plug. Sorry. Uh, With regards to your question, I think you can probably predict my answer a little bit, right? Um, At the risk of sounding maybe a bit snarky, and that's not at all what I intend, I have no idea what 1347 means, and nor do I, at least at this point, have much interest in investigating it. Here's the thing about Oak Island. There are so many theories, (laughs) and I'm going to speak the next couple of weeks to an author about just how many of these theories really are out there. There are so many suspects, so many time frames that have been discussed, theorized as being maybe the answer to the mystery. Way too many to really give one's full attention to all of them. So therefore, if you're really interested in sort of digging into and finding a theory that you're going to latch onto, which I've always been interested in, right? I've always been trying to search that theory that I think is the right one and maybe start going down that road. I still, I'm still not there, right? Because there are just so many of them. Um, there are, like I said, if you really want to do that, if you really want to find one and give it its full attention, you simply got to cross some of these theories off your list as you go through them, especially if you found good reason to do so. And like I said, I feel like I have a good reason to cross Zena's theory off the list, at least until more information might be brought to light that supports the conclusions beyond 
the dubious at best map. I do appreciate your romantic approach, Lori, for sure. To some extent, uh, myself and all of us on the Patreon and listening to this can call ourselves romantic dreamers when it comes to Oak Island. But when a theory starts to fall apart for me, I just need to focus my attention on other theories that are better supported. I try not to roll my eyes when the map is brought onto this show, and I try to just sort of give it its due and, 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 and let them talk about it because it seems to be important to them. But honestly, at this point, it seems to be um, you know, a road to nowhere. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you for everything, for the email, for the Patreon support, all of it. Welcome to the family. Let's go to Facebook now and hear from Tommy who says, Hi, Dave. Love your show, which I recently found whilst on a long train journey. I'm now addicted and up to episode 17, so another hundred to go. (laughs) Boy, having to listen to me that much. Uh, I've watched the show since the start and love it and would hate if they canceled it, but agree with everyone about the narrator and the show format. My view, there is obviously evidence of activity on a massive scale going on, such as flood tunnels, Smith's Cove, and the paved area in the swamp. To create all of this would take a massive labor force, of which there is no evidence of, which is odd. Living in England, I've watched all the time team seasons. These proved how little we know of the past and how much we are still learning, and and that's just in England. Moved to Oak Island 500 years ago, and it's no wonder we don't know what happened, and there's no records. My view is that we, it could simply be a secret naval staging post to, to repair ships, etc. In a time when who, when who ruled the sea ruled the world, there may well have been a quote-unquote bank or a strong room or keep built to store looted gold, etc., to store and then return to Spain or Portugal. Is it still there? We will only know by investigating the whole island to discover what went on. Initially, I was horrified by the destructive way searching had previously happened and continued to be happening. I'm pleased to see there is now a more structured archaeological way of proceeding, which, if nothing else, could change the history of the continent and be, quote unquote, treasure. If I discovered that, I'd be happy and hopefully Rick and Marty will be and the show will continue, maybe changing its narrative until these questions are answered. Sorry for the long ramble. Love your show. And uh, how everyone is asking similar questions to what I have in my head, which the show doesn't answer. Tommy, great stuff, my friend. Um, There's a couple of things I just wanted to comment on uh, as I go back here that I didn't stick in my notes. Um, You you mentioned about the show being canceled. Uh, It's not for this season, but I think we all have to be prepared for that inevitability. Uh, We are into the double digits and seasons now, and, uh, you know, not many shows last that long, so... Uh, I think we have to uh, think of what life will be like as Oak Island fans pass the show. Um, you know, and the other thing that you mentioned in there is could it could be a secret naval station or something like that. The problem is 500 years ago, it wouldn't have to be secret. It's just there aren't any records of it because it wasn't very important. <laughs> Right. Somebody stopped there, did some stuff, whatever it might be, you know, whether it be salt or um, pine tar or whatever it was, they did it and then they left. And there's not a lot of records of that kind of stuff because they didn't nothing stayed there. There's no reason to go back to it. You know, there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot of a lot of things being discovered now that tell us just how little of history we really know beyond, 
you know, some of the more highfalutin authors that had written things down. Anyway, it does seem that there is, as you say, evidence of activity on a massive scale, although I'm not sure massive is is where I would go just yet. I'm getting there. The Stone Road is getting me to that fact. But but um, maybe as we start to do, uncover this Stone Road, we might get an idea of just how massive or really what exactly that activity is. But this is the weirdest thing about the Stone Road. And also like the slipway, if you remember the slipway, the archaeologists seem to not be finding any evidence of a human presence <laughs> behind just the structure itself. And that is very unusual as far as I know. Meaning when archaeologists find something like a road, right, they usually find other stuff. There's trash, coins, pieces of fabric, buttons, the kinds of things one loses while going through life. I mean, I lose stuff all the time. Um, look at the shoulder <laughs> of any highway in America. This isn't a new phenomenon, folks. People drop stuff. They lose stuff when traveling. And they always have. Uh, and look under a wharf and you'll find coins, phones, sunglasses, you name it. I mean, I used to have a boat on a marina here on a lake, and I can't tell you how many things <laughs> I dropped into the drink, right? As I used to, uh, you know, put the covers on or do stuff on the on the boat. It's just these things happen. Yet they don't seem to have happened on Oak Island. And I simply don't know what to make of that other than somebody removing all that evidence to try to hide their presence. Now, why would they do that? Now we're getting into the clandestine. Now we're getting into the mysterious, right? Those are the questions you need to have answers to. Um, again, we don't seem to have any idea as to why this would be, even from the little excavation that they have done on the Stone Road, right? And they've they've done quite a bit, despite what they might make you believe. Um, but even on this, by now, some evidence of who these people were and who built this and who used this structure and what they used it for, some idea of human interaction would have been uncovered, yet we don't see anything. The only thing we get is the Mi'kmaq stuff that caused the shutdown that Laird himself admits is probably not directly related to the Stone Road because he doesn't find any reason to believe the Stone Road would have been built by the First Nations people. It's very, very strange. And I would imagine also extremely frustrating for the team. <laughs> I've said this before a lot too, but I also believe that history is the treasure to be found here, uh, as you say. The idea of finding a cache of valuables in the ground is really just a pipe dream to me at this point. And I think the team kind of feels that way too, if you get them in an honest moment. Now, last year's gold in the water, those test results might have shaken them a bit and got them down a rabbit hole they still haven't clawed out of yet, but they will sooner or later. The more drilling they do and the more they find nothing in this drilling, the more they'll return to archaeology and history and theorists for answers. At least that's what I hope they do. Thank you again, Tommy. And yes, send emails. Keep them coming. Those get to me much more efficiently than anything from social media. And I think you know what you're talking about here. Let's head across the broad Atlantic to hear from Rob in the UK, uh, who says, love the podcast, sadly, more than the TV show. Now, the Laginas seem to have pretty much proved that there is no treasure down there. The program would seem to stand or fall on its appeal as a history show. 
I just wish they would apply a bit of rigor. Among the many examples, the TE on the bag seal, Treasury of England, really, is on the Curse of Oak Island Freemasons, 50 minutes in, on UK sky, maybe different elsewhere. No, I don't think so. Court Lindahl proposes a theory about the 13-branch pine tree appeal to heaven. Then we're shown a boulder on the island with um, uh, R.W. Evans and a pine tree carved. Uh, Rick waves his hand at it and counts swiftly to 13. Have a count. Can you make it any less than 16 branches? (laughs) Rob in the UK. Rob, we've talked about this before. For those of you who don't know the pine tree he's referring to, I'll put a photo of it on a Facebook page. Um, The scene with the branches is one of the most how do we call it, maligned scenes in the show's history, along with the British military swagger stick that Gary found that turned out to be nothing more than a lipstick cover from the 1960s. Uh, The team takes the brunt of the criticism for sure, uh, but I think most of it usually falls on the editors and producers. I mean, do we really think Rick can't count? (laughs) We don't. At least I don't. Uh, I think you know what I mean. People always ask me what I would do if I ran the show. I have plenty of ideas, but let me start with this one. I would take maybe a half dozen episodes in the next season, and instead of showing us more ox shoes and wood pieces and Gary calling Bobby Dazzlers and jumping up and down over a coin that he can't identify, um, get six of the leading theorists, all of them more than willing to take part in this. Uh, you know, leading theorists and authors, get them into the war room. And just just to throw some names out, Corey and Maul, James McQuiston, Gordon Fader, Peter Amundsen, even Randall Sullivan, just for starters, and really give their research and their coverage uh, of this of this mystery. It's due. Tell their story and tell their version of the Oak Island story as well. And don't be afraid to take them to task and question what they're bringing into the war room. These guys all love a debate. <laughs> An intellectually honest discussion. To a man, they love this kind of stuff. That a, a real conversation about what they've dedicated much of their life to. And it would make for great television too. Especially, you know, you're, you're, you can add into it scenes, cuts of history and what they're talking about, right? You can really explain these stories and really dive into these theories. In my mind, folks, the theories and the possibilities is what makes Oak Island so endearing. Not the ox shoes, not the coins. I mean, that stuff is cool and it's great to supplement as as it goes on, but it shouldn't be the driver of the story. It never has been. The driver of the story has always been the romantic notion that someone lost in time dropped something in a hundred foot deep pit. And why on God's green earth would they do that? And these guys are trying to answer the why. Everyone I've ever talked to that's been in the war room says the same thing. They were there and talking to the team for hours and hours and hours. Yet all we see is this little six minute segment of it. It's time for us to see more. I mean, if the History Channel and Prometheus can't make a compelling 40 minutes of television out of the theories that James McQuiston has come up, uh, you know, his research linking Oak Island to the people who came to the United States on the Mayflower for crying out loud. 
If they can't make a nice episode of television out of that, then guys, these folks are in the wrong business because what a great story. And let me tell you, folks, as I said before, Corey and Maul can probably take up an entire season with just the information he has in his brain. (laughs) You want to talk Templars? You want to talk mystery? Get this guy on the show for 40 minutes and you will have a very exciting and compelling show. These guys are amazing. Every one of these guys that I've talked to, uh, Gordon Fader and all all these guys I mentioned, uh, these guys are amazing. They've dedicated so much time to this mystery, um, you know, that they need to be given their due. And this is what we're going to find fascinating. This is what we want. If you're listening, Prometheus, this is what we want. This is what will turn your once faithful viewers who now spend all their time criticizing the show, even on my podcast, even writing into my podcast, this will turn these folks back into the diehard fans that they once were. That's going to do it for this episode of Digging Oak Island. I have some plans. Don't know when the next podcast is coming out. I'm working very diligently on uh, on an interview or two here uh, and some other stuff I want to do. So I don't want to divulge anything because I don't want to make any promises. I think I've already said too much over the last couple of episodes about what we want to do. Um, but anyway, it's shameless plug time. Don't forget, Wednesday afternoons, I'm on the air as a DJ at WDVR-FM. Uh, you'll find me from 2 to 5 p.m. Wednesday afternoons, 2 to 4, hosting a show called The Bourbon Street Bistro, where I play the music of New Orleans, my other passion. And then from 4 to 5 p.m., hosting a show called Island Vibes, where I play music with a little bit of a tropical feel. You can listen by going to WDVRFM.org, uh, or if you're in the uh, eastern Pennsylvania, West Jersey area, go to 89.7 FM or 90.5 in eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, or you can just apparently tell Alexa to turn on WDVR, and she magically will. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, don't forget, um, you can really help out the show by becoming a patron. If you think the show is worth $5 a month to you, then head over to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. But also, if you'd like to help out the podcast in another way, then you could do so by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. And a big thank you to everyone who's done that already. I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to do that and for uh, especially for the kind words. Don't forget, you can also follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. We are at Digging Oak Island. I'll be honest with you, I'm on Facebook a lot more than Twitter. I kind of been getting sick of Twitter. Not sure how long I'm going to be on there. Uh, but I do at least post show updates and things like that from time to time. So give us a follow there if you're a Twitter person. And again, if you have any questions or comments that you really want to send directly to me, the best way to do that is via email. That way it shows up right in front of my face and I can't do anything but look at it. Um, just go to digging o- just write me at digginoakisland at gmail.com and keep in mind if you do send me an email, um, I might not answer you directly. What I'll probably do is hang on to it and answer it here on a show. So if you don't want your message read out loud and answered on a show, just make a note of that and I'll do my best to get back to you via email. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for hanging in there this summer, and thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.